Ag News Daily. That's very important. So before that, it's a very, very slow process, a very fair. There's a lot of um, biosecurity, biosecurity also involved in that, in that process. Morning, listeners. This episode brought to you by Invita, your solution to a season-long nitrogen fixation when and where your crops need it. February 9th, Thursday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Tanner and Jennifer here to bring you the latest headlines today. Right, Jennifer? That is absolutely correct. It may be raining outside, but we are excited to get started. Yeah, when we talked weather yesterday, we were in for a potential of three to six inches of snow. And right here in central Iowa, we've now just got caught in a band of rain. Uh, As we sit right now, I'm looking at 32 degrees exactly. So we'll see if any of that switches over to a rain-snow mix. But other parts of the state, including eastern Iowa, then you drop down to northern Missouri, parts of Illinois and Wisconsin are in this same weather advisory. This will continue through 6 p.m. tonight. There is still parts of Minnesota that are touching this, not a significant amount of it. Snow accumulations in some areas are expected from four to seven inches, but mainly after this moisture blows through, it's the wind that will cause some issues with gusts up to 45 miles per hour. Central Illinois and Indiana, will be most at risk for some of those damaging winds. And of course, if this rain turns into freezing rain, we know that that could cause some more issues as well. Well, Tanner, my first story of the day is on Florida farmers rushing to save oranges as juice prices hit record highs. Florida's citrus growers are racing to collect what's left of one of the worst seasons ever after hurricane blows sent production plunging in juice prices toward fresh new records. The state's crop will plunge 56% this season after damage from Hurricane Ian, which hit the state in September, just as many groves were recovering from Hurricane Irma in 2017. It exasperated long-term impact from the devastating citrus greening disease that sent costs soaring as well. Greening makes fruit shrivel and reduces yield, eventually killing the trees. Fort Myers-based Alico Incorporated reported a big quarterly loss this week and cited higher fruit costs among reasons. The citrus giant accelerated its harvest because of the increased rate of fruit drop caused by Ian and overall production of early crops will be lower from last year. It is anticipated to take up to two full seasons or more for the groves to recover to pre-hurricane production levels. Orange orange juice futures rose as much as 3.5%, up to $2.51 a pound, the highest in records going back to 1967. Yikes. That's not good news. That is not good news to start off with, but that's all right. We can only go up from here. Bayer announced they've got a new CEO as part of their succession plan. Bill Anderson, who was most recently the head of Roche Pharmaceuticals Division, will succeed Werner Baumann as chief executive at Germany Bayer Company. He looks to start June 1st. The company stated that Anderson will start off by joining their board of management on April 1st in 2023, and he will work closely with Baumann to make this a smooth transition. 
uh, Bauman has been with Bayer for more than 35 years and has uh, nothing but good things to say about Bill, saying that he has a strong track record and will continue to build strong product pipelines throughout his tenure or anticipated tenure as Bayer's new CEO. This is uh, actually a move that has been mounting since shareholders have put a little pressure on removing Bauman because he's been the CEO since 2016 and install a new leader to see if they can get share prices to climb back up. So this announcement on itself looks like yesterday shares went up six and a half percent. So maybe that short news did do a little bit of benefit. But real quick here, wanted to to hit ethanol production. Ethanol dropped to its lowest level production wise in almost a month. They fell to right at 1 million barrels per day. That's down from 1.028 barrels, million barrels per day. Inventories, though, were also falling. They dropped to 24.4 million barrels, down from 24.44. So a little insight there on the ethanol quickly as well. Yeah, and staying on that ethanol note, I have a story on Governor Kelly of Kansas coming back on board for authorizing year-round E15 sales. After signing a letter with eight other state leaders asking the EPA to grant them authority to sell E15, Governor Kansas Laura Kelly pulled her support, but tells Brownfield, I support E15 year round and I actually always have. She said her reasoning was simple. Missouri had not signed onto it and Kansas had signed onto that. It would have made things incredibly complicated on the border. Ryan Flickner, Senior Director of Advocacy with Kansas Farm Bureau, says conversations continue with the administration, as he knows Kansas Department of Agriculture and the Kansas Department of Health and Environment seem to be receptive and supportive of E15 year round. I think we're close, but not tomorrow close. Last month, the attorney generals of Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Wisconsin asked the Biden administration to take action on the petition filed by the Coalition of Governors in April of 2022. Yeah, that is uh, an interesting way to attack that, just considering who your neighbor is when making a decision as such. But as we reflect on the WASD report that came out yesterday, it was largely not exciting. So before we get into that, remember, have you heard that there's a new nitrogen source in town and Beta provides constant season-long nitrogen supplies created directly within the cells of your plants. In Vita, there is no application guesswork, infra or foliar or options that you can use to fit your farm's practice and make sure it works all season long to provide accessible nitrogen when and where your crop needs it. To learn more about filling your nitrogen gaps this growing season, visit azotic-na.com, A-Z-O-T-I-C-N-A, so the World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates, also known as WASNI, came out yesterday and was pretty much in line with what traders had expected. Pretty much what we saw were minor changes in the demand category, 25 million bushel reduction for corn. That was tied to less ethanol use, pretty much exactly what was dropped off of ethanol use when it was added to end of stocks, uh, 15 million bushel reduction in domestic soybean crush. That was also added to uh, the ending stocks. There was very little news 
uh, as we look at markets here towards the end of this broadcast, uh, we will see here that they did trade upwards after that report had come out. But that was not very much excitement. Uh, there was a little bit of decline in feed use by 2 million metric ton coming out of Argentina. Brazil corn exports, however, covered that up by raising theirs by 3 million metric ton. Uh, Ukraine also had their figures boosted by another 2 million metric tons. Uh, as far as that was corn side, Argentina crush was reduced by less than a million metric tons. The EU imports fell by half a million. So pretty much, Jennifer, as we looked at the WASD yesterday, it was almost right in line with what people were predicting but maybe a little bit more bullish to the fact that we didn't see stocks uh, change very much just simply by a little bit of domestic use differences between crush and ethanol uses. And staying on that kind of downward trend, Hyundai is in talks with U.S. Labor Department over Alabama child labor. Hyundai Motor Co. said in its talks with the U.S. Department of Labor to resolve concerns about child workers in its U.S. supply chain, and the company is taking corrective actions after a Reuters investigation found children as young as 12 working in hazard-laden Alabama factories linked to the automotive giant. In a statement late Tuesday, Hyundai told Reuters it has held a series of discussions with the Labor Department which has been investigating a, a Hyundai subsidiary in Alabama and other parts suppliers to the automaker, as well as its sister brand, Kia Core, for potential child labor violations. The talks with the U.S. labor regulator have focused on compliance measures across our supply chain, company spokesperson Michael Stewart said in a statement. He also detailed several new measures Hyundai is implementing to ensure non-compliance never happens again. Among them, Hyundai said it will roll out new employment training programs through its U.S. supply chain, validate identification documents for job applicants, set up anonymous tip hotlines, and discourage the use of third-party staffing agency agencies. Reuters found those agencies sometimes placed underage workers in the supplier's plants. So while they are working to prevent this, it's interesting that it was even able to happen in the first place, Tanner. Yeah, no kidding. It is uh, an investigation that I'm sure isn't going to yield very positive results. The U.S. Department, uh, the U.S. State Department has issued a approval for a sale of high mobility artillery rocket systems. HIMARS, H-I-M-A-R-S, the acronym are launchers related to uh, equipment that has been very beneficial to Ukrainian forces to devastate Russian positions. This sale was uh, approved to Poland. They will now be the latest country bordering Russia to secure weapons from the United States in protection of themselves. This is a $10 billion sale, according to the Defense Security Cooperation Agency. My last headline is the Gallup poll stating that more than half of Americans state their financial position has worsened, and that is the most in the Gallup poll since the Great Recession. 50% of Americans surveyed in this poll said their financial situations are worsening. Only 35% said their financial standings have improved. Lower income category had more than 67% stating that their position had 
decreased financially during this period of inflation, while those considered uh, in the upper category of income of the respondents, only 35%, well, 37% stated that their income position had worsened. Optimism, though, is still there. Above 50% of the respondents, close to 60, said that they expect their financial position to improve this year. However, that is down from 74% saying that answer last year. So not positive sentiment in the form of Gallup poll respondents, Jennifer, for where financial positions are headed. That is for sure what it sounds like, Tanner. But I am all out of stories today. Do you have anything left? No, let's hit a quick ad before we get into markets. Remember here that nitrogen can be when and where your crop needs it and when it's never been easier to apply. You can look at inferral or foliar applications and Vita will help grow with your plant, colonizing with the roots and leaves to fix nitrogen within the plant cells. It will be when and where that plant needs it most, whether you're boosting your yield or looking to reduce your nitrogen inputs. Invita is the partner that your crops have been looking for. To learn more about Invita, visit azotic-na.com. That is A-Z-O-T-I-C-N-A.com. Corn opens unchanged in uh, the contract today, 677. Soybeans are up seven and a half overnight, 1527 and a quarter. Uh, wheat contract is also unchanged, so not a lot of reaction after yesterday's afternoon trade coming out of the WASD. The wheat contracts at seven sixty-five. But when we switch over, as we look at the livestock complex, we have mixed trade uh, front month contracts. Both February and April for live cattle are up a quarter at one sixty eighty and 163.70 respectively. However, feeder cattle are down across all contracts, nearly three quarters uh, as far as each month goes. Front month March, 186.45. Lean hogs in the green across the board, February 75.92, April 84.07. Both of those contracts are up a half at the moment. So that's what we have for Market Insights today. Who do we get to talk to, Jennifer, for our conversation? Delaney is in South America this week and was able to send back a two-part interview series. So today and tomorrow, we will get to discuss with Jose Luis Gonzalez Chacon. I'm super excited to be bringing a conversation from a Colombian farmer, Jose Luis Gonzalez Chacon. Jose, you farm in Colombia. Yeah. But you haven't always farmed in Colombia. You've had a long history in engineering before you decided to go back to your family's farm. Tell us about your background. Okay, so I'm a civil engineer. I studied um, and also I have a specialization on business and management. And I started working on a a petroleum company um, back at the day. And I actually started farming because it it was very easy for me. I got a they, they tried my life and they sent a letter then when they say that they just want to kill me. So I have two options, survive or just do what I love. I actually love cyber engineering, but it was a decision that was very easy to take at that point. So you were working as a civil engineer yes. in the petroleum industry yeah. and you got a letter yeah. saying that they were going to kill you yes. because why? Okay. Uh, it's. Kind of interesting. I was helping the community, but they 
didn't like what I did. I actually got in trouble with a girl because I told her that she wasn't allowed to work because she got a fissure on her on their hip. And we discovered that they, the, the fissure was actually eight years old. And, they, and she told us that it was recent. So I told her, you know, I just commit something that is actually illegal. So I have to let you go. And she talked with the community. They didn't like it, and they just the solution for them was okay. If you don't, not, if you're not letting the, our people work, we are just going to kill you, and someone is going to replace you, and probably that person is going just to let, us, let her work or something. Because there's still a lot. I mean, when we think about Colombia, we think about cocaine and cocaine production yeah. and, and drug cartels and stuff. It's not like that in the entire country, but there's no. still a lot of a criminal you know, organizations. Yeah, yeah but uh, it's. At least on the petroleum companies, uh, they have like a little mafia. We call it mafia at least, where they just uh, force people to work on the on the companies and they take a lot of money out of them. They actually take at least the 20 to 40 percent of the income they do every month just to let them work. Uh, they pay a lot because it's a risky job, but I mean, why do you have to take a little? 20 or 40% of the income of them, just because they are just bad people and it's, it's like that all, all the time. So I think anyone could understand that you decided it, it just wasn't worth it anymore. You, if you, Your life was getting threatened mm -hmm. and your family was farming and so why did you decide, was it because of the safety factor that you ultimately decided to go back to the farm? Actually it was easy. I mean I, I talked with my father and he was like, man you, you actually forced me to start farming when you just come here and help me. And I was like, yeah, you, you are have a strong point. I mean, I, I force you to start the plantation. I force you to start on chicken. Yeah, let me help you. And he was actually very happy that I started uh, working because I, at one point we got into a big fight. And I told him, you will never see me again until I decide by myself that I will go back to the farm. And. He told me, you have to, to do something because you are not going to stay doing nothing all the rest of your life. And you know now that you are not going to actually be working as a cyber engineer. And you are planning to get married. So what's the plan? And I, I was like, can I go to the farm? And he was well, yeah, you forced me. Now you're welcome. And yeah, that happens five years ago, almost six. And it was the best decision of my life, to be honest. So that was five or six years ago that you made less, this yeah. decision to go back to the farm. But before that, you mm -hmm. had helped your dad kind of get the farm started or were helping to convince him to Actually, start Actually, it was convincing. I, I was the, the stubborn boy that, <laughs> let, that forced him to do something that he didn't even want to do. But I just told him, that there's money, that just go for the money. Because at least in Colombia, the, doing farming it's not well seen because everything, everyone thinks that doing farming, at, the, uh, at least in Colombia, is for poor people. But if you do it right, it can get a lot of money because of, out of it. And he was like, yeah, we need money, so let's do it. And so I started forcing him and trying, I started convincing him. And at what point he was actually kind of so involved into that that he became actually one of the person that knows the most about palms in Latin America. So I think he did, he also enjoyed it. I know he was forced, but really, really inside of him, I, he knows that he, it was the right thing also for him. So it was amazing. 
Okay, so you guys farm, farm chickens? Yes. And palm. Yeah. And it's kind of difficult, to be honest, because actually uh, right now in Colombia, at least, a lot of people hate both. Uh, and around the world, we are seen as bad people, uh, especially because the, um, there are some res um, litigation about uh, the consumption of oil, uh, palm oil, is, um, for, to be more uh, precise. And there are a lot of uh, people that try to work uh, for the animal rights, and I think that's amazing. But they don't actually understand how uh, a facility, a poultry facility works. And they think that we just do the worst for the animals, and they think that we are poisoning actually the, the land because of the palm. So we are actually working on a business that is not well seen on both sides. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the palm oil side first. I know you do more on the chicken side, yeah. the poultry side, but palm oil production is just fascinating because I think, again, that's an industry that's kind of victimized or criminalized, I should say. Yeah, you look it's at more criminalized. Malaysia and some of those mm -hmm. countries that are producing palm oil, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of controversy around that, but with where you produce palm oil in Colombia, it's, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. If we go to the cases of Indonesia and Malaysia, the owners of those companies or those plantations are from UK, and those are the ones that right now are given the regulation of who, who is doing good and who is going, doing bad on, on the palm side. And it's kind of funny to know that they are the ones that are given the permission and the, and the um, certification for those who actually, they are giving something that they, are, they did wrong. I mean, they did so much damage on those countries, and now they are the ones that are giving the people the right to do the, the plantations. But at the start of the plantation on our farm, we decided that we are going to do the things the right way. So we actually don't cut down trees unless they are on a field that they are not going to affect something. And so if you look at a satellite picture of our farm, you're not going to see that they are straight lines. I mean, with that, that we've done, what we have done is that we don't touch the big mass of, of greens that are around our farm. We just let the nature do the thing on those spaces, and we actually have very, very big blocks of, ma of green mass that we don't even touch. And the rest is, um, uh, well, it's just uh, something that we just touch, we farm it, and we, ac we actually try to do something very good, at least on my, on my, from, my, from, our, from our view, is that we don't use chemicals. We just use everything that is organic, or at least they are, um, byproducts of uh, big industries or something like that. Okay, so you're letting the palm trees, mm -hmm. are they trees? Yeah, we call it trees or just okay. palms. Palm, the palms, you're letting mm -hmm. them just grow in between the natural vegetation and ecosystems kinda. that are already there. Yeah, kind of like that. We just, uh, for example, if we go to from row to row, they are six to eight meters between each row. <clears throat> but we count with the, we call, it, uh, we call them estacas, that means, um, uh, wood chips, kind of. Okay. And we just start counting and we just measure. And at one point, if it's going to be very, very close to our green mass, we just don't touch it. We just leave that spot and move to the next row and we just work with um, the natural curve line that the mass form. Also, that happens with rivers. Uh, the rivers and creeks, we respect them so much that we give them 30 meters each side. 
so they can develop uh, freely and we don't just touch whatever they happens whatever happens there is just because of nature we just don't want to touch that so how long does it take once you plant a palm seed for it to be at production where you can start harvesting it for palm oil okay first we have to go a little bit back because the seed takes uh, 16 to 22 weeks oh, wow. to become a sapling and not all saplings are viable and also not all saplings um, born the right way. What I mean with that is that it's kind of um, weird but the, the, the palms have sex so we have female and, and male so we have to sex them and see which one is which and we just they have different developments different ways of treating to be treated and that's very important so before that is a very very strict process and very, uh, there is a lot of um, biosecurity biosecurity also involved in that on that process but after that we start the process of plantation and when we start the plantation we do uh, something that we call uh, bio um, bio holes and we call it like that because we just use all natural stuff and the only chemical that we actually use on the on that um, product on the on that part of the uh, of the plantation is called something that uh, is something that we call hydrogel and it just helps them um, to uh, cap uh, to keep water on the area that the plant the hole is is, is dug and from there it takes from two and a half years to three years oh, okay. to start pro actually producing the the fruit Okay, and then it's the fruit that ultimately gets processed into the yes. palm oil. So tell us about the process to do that. Uh, the process is done with uh, big ovens that works like um, pressure cooker. Um, first, we use water, but not as much as people think that we use. And there is a, uh, a ratio of how much oil you can extract depending on the species of the palm. Uh, right now we are uh, farm farming... Um, uh, something that we call hybrid and there is another thing that, another one that is that is the usual plantation in Colombia that is called guinensis that one has a yield of 18 to 23 percent of oil and the hybrid has a 27 to 33 percent radio of oil on each seed mm -hmm. mm, okay so it's like um, like a coconut it's so like there's a, coconut. a husk it has a husk, it has uh, something, I, I forgot the name, but they, they hang. So it's like a banana. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, okay. But they have a little knots on, on each of, of those branches. We can call it branches, because I actually don't know the name. Uh, or at least on English. <laughs> um, on those branches, the, there are some little coconuts. Those coconuts, they are very, very bright. Um, red, bright. Like a tomato, kind of. It's like kind of a bit. tomato and... Um, and a, pop, and a pumpkin is a mixture of those colors. Um, on each of those uh, little coconuts, you have the, um, the oil. But the thing is that on inside the husk, they have a remnant of oil or fat. And on the inside of the nut, the actual nut, you have more oil. Uh, and the good thing about it is that the color that has the little coconut, I, you can use it as a natural pigment. And it's amazing because sometimes I, there are some restaurants and some gourmet people that likes the color that because it's a natural color that you can put on beef, chicken, 
fish because it's a bright orange, but it's not so invasive and it doesn't change the flavor of the food. So right now, at least in Colombia and some parts of South, of South America, it's using because of a gourmet thing. So this might seem like an obvious question, but what are all of the different uses for palm oil? It's not so basic or not so obvious, to be honest, because a lot of people don't know what you can do with, with fat in general. Uh, one thing you can do is uh, cosmetics. The other thing is soaps. The other, you can use it also for medical treatments because the oil has uh, some properties that actually help uh, for rubbing creams or stuff. Mm-hmm. It helps a lot. Uh, it can be eaten. It uh, can be used as a fertilizer. can be used also as um, pigments, natural pigments. So there are lots and lots of stuff. And one good thing about the, 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 those kind of, of products that we have and soft products that we get from just cooking the, those coconuts, those little coconuts. Which I, I now remember, we call them almonds. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, each almond or each coconut, well, well we've been talking about coconuts, so let's leave it like coconuts. <laughs> uh, each coconut um, has a husk, has a, a peel, has a nutshell, and has a nut. All those parts, uh, and, well, and the branches. And each of those can be processed on different things. You can make natural fibers also. You can use it for warming. And for uh, bedding or for some animals, you can use it for, um, we call it indigen buildings, because you can mix it with mud and it actually becomes very hard and very tough, too, so it's actually good for, for construction. Uh, you can use it on whatever you want, and also, as, as I say, it's good for fertilizers, we just put it and leave it somewhere and do a process that we call fermentation that I know is um, compost. But we add some stuff and we call it fermentation because it becomes very, very good and we use it again on our plantation. So it's a full cycle of reusing and using what we get on the plantation. exciting that we had our carrier pigeons fly back and deliver this message to us jennifer it's always fun to get some perspective and to kind of live vicariously through delaney as she does so much traveling i absolutely agree with that statement (laughs) well listeners it'll be another good one tomorrow on our friday edition so make sure you check back in with us jennifer and i will bring you the news for one more day this week but for today what do you say should let the listeners go let's let them go (laughs) 